This morning, our text in the book of Romans, and you can go ahead and turn to chapter 6, deals with baptism uh, as a way of helping us understand the Christian life. And um, baptism is uh, something that I remember my pastor, uh, whenever he would uh, be meeting with somebody, preparing them for baptism, he would compare it to um, marriage this way. He would say that baptism is like a wedding ring. You can be a Christian and not be baptized. But baptism is the, the public testimony that you that you belong to Jesus, right? Just like your wedding ring is not what makes you married, right? I can take it off, I'm still married, right? You could buy one in the store and put it on, doesn't make you married, but it's the sign to the rest of the world that you are married. There's another way in which uh, marriage and baptism are similar. Whenever you go to a wedding, um, you are not only witnessing the marriage of the two people um, who have come to that place to be joined together and make vows and all that, you are also being reminded of the significance of your own marriage. And so the wedding is not just for the couple who's being married. The, the wedding is also for you and for me. And the vows that are read and repeated are not just for the couple to make to one another. It's also for us to hear and be reminded of the vows that we made when we were married. The sermon that is preached uh, during the wedding. I mean, let's be honest, the couple that's getting married is probably not catching every word that the preacher is saying in that sermon. Who's that sermon for? It is for them, but it's also for all the rest of us to remind us of what God says about marriage and what God wants married people to do and how he wants them to treat each other and how he wants their marriage to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. So the wedding ceremony is not just for the couple who are being married. It's also for all those who are getting to witness that marriage. And the same is true about baptism. Whenever we have the privilege of witnessing someone being baptized... We are not just witnessing their public testimony of their faith in Christ. We are also being reminded of the significance of our own baptism. And I want you to see this morning in Romans chapter 6 what Paul has to say about what is so significant about our baptism that we would need to be reminded of regularly in order to help us live the Christian life the way we ought to live it. Now, if that doesn't sound like something you've ever thought of before, if you've not put baptism in that context before as something you should mentally go back to to help you live a certain way in the present, then that means there's something that Paul has to tell us that we need to know about that maybe we have missed in the way that we understand baptism. So let me read for us, uh, this is Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Here's what Paul says. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, we might be a little surprised that Paul even brings up baptism at this point in the book of Romans. Right? Because we rightly associate baptism with conversion. Right? Baptism is the outward sign, that the public testimony that you have come to faith in Christ. Right? And Paul has been talking about how we come to faith in Christ in chapter 3 and chapter 4. He talked about the results of coming to faith in Christ in chapter 5. And now in chapter 6, he's talking about how we should live now that we're in Christ. So this doesn't seem like the place we would have expected Paul to bring up baptism if he was going to bring it up. So why has he brought it up here? When we think about baptism, if you're raised Baptist, I know not all of us were, but if you were raised Baptist or if you've been in a Baptist church for a long time, when you think about baptism, my guess is the first thing you think of is baptism is an act of obedience, right? Baptists emphasize that. Baptism is an act of obedience. And we say it's an act of obedience because Jesus commanded his disciples in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He said, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when they went out and preached like Peter did on the day of Pentecost, and people were convicted of their sin and wanted to know what to do, Peter said, what you need to do is you need to repent of your sin and you need to be baptized. That's what Jesus told us to do. So being baptized is an act of obedience to the command of Jesus that those who believe in him, those who become his disciples, are to be baptized. Right? And when we say that, we're also quick to say that baptism is not a work that's necessary for your salvation. Right? It doesn't earn your salvation. You can get Dunk to get wet doesn't save you, right? It's not, it's not a requirement for salvation. It's not a work that achieves salvation. Um, but it is something that Jesus expects us to do once we become his disciples. Once we trust him, this is the way that we show the world that we now belong to Jesus. It's an act of obedience. Right? It's also a public uh, identification with Christ, a public testimony that we now belong to Christ. Baptism is the biblical way of saying to the world, I now belong to Jesus. That's why why Jesus said in in that command in the Great Commission, you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that when you are baptized in that name, what you are saying to the world is, this is who my God is. This is who I belong to. This is who my ultimate allegiance is to now, is the one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you think about what this meant uh, in the early days of the church, like in Acts chapter 2, when those uh, 3,000 people who believed on the day of Pentecost were baptized in the name of Jesus, as Peter said they should be, what they were saying to all the people gathered in Jerusalem was, The man that you crucified like a criminal just about two months ago and put to death, I believe he's alive. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's the the Savior. And now I am entrusting myself to him. I am aligning myself with him. It is a public way of saying what you believe about Jesus 
and that you now belong to Jesus. Right, so if, you're, if you've ever struggled with, you know, okay, I've become a Christian, how do, I, how do I begin to live that out? How do I begin to let people know? That's what baptism is for. Is baptism is the way that we are to publicly say to the world that we belong to Jesus. Now, all of that you're probably super familiar with, right? That's all pretty common ground. But the, what, what Paul emphasizes in this passage is something we don't think about as often, which is this. Paul says in verses 3 and 4 that baptism teaches us about our union with Christ. Baptism teaches us about our union with Christ. Now that might not even be a phrase you've ever heard before, right? Union with Christ. Let's start with what that means. When we believe in Jesus... It is not just a transaction, like a box you check. Okay, now I've had faith, check, and I can, I can move on. <clears throat> when you believe in Jesus, you are united to Jesus. You might have noticed over and over and over in the New Testament, especially in Paul's letters, um, you find this phrase, in Christ or with Christ. We have been joined to Christ. We've been united to Christ. And when we uh, become united to Christ by faith then certain things that are true of Jesus become true of us as well. Right, so when we uh, believe in Christ, we are like we were in Adam, right? Chapter 5 of Romans, we were in Adam, now we're in Christ. And in Christ, we get His righteousness, we get His life, we get His forgiveness. We also become sons of God through faith, like Jesus is the ultimate one and only Son, unbegotten Son of God, but now we're adopted sons of God. We become co-heirs with Christ. We share His inheritance. But what Paul wants us to realize is there are other things that we share with Christ now as well. And our baptism is meant to teach us about these things, meant to show us these things. So we have focused, most of us, I suspect, we have focused our understanding of baptism on the obedience part, which is biblical and true and important. We focused it on the public testimony part, which is biblical and true and important. But the union with Christ part and how that affects the way that we live, we've probably not thought about that very much. All right? So if you're, if you're beginning to think, okay, this is sounding like unfamiliar territory. I don't even know for sure if I know where we're going right now. And I definitely didn't understand this stuff when I was baptized. Uh, is, is that important? Is that a problem? Here's the thing. When you were saved, you did not need to understand all the ins and outs of the doctrine of justification. You didn't need to understand regeneration or even know that was a biblical word or idea. You just needed to know that Jesus had died for sinners and risen again, and that if you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, you'd be forgiven and saved. That's all you needed to know, right? But if you're going to be a Christian and read the Bible and go to church, your understanding of salvation needs to grow from that point forward, right? You begin to understand more of what God has accomplished through Christ to save you. You begin to understand, you know, justification means not only are my sins forgiven, but I'm righteous in Christ. Not only am I, have I been saved, but I've been born again. I'm a new creation. And all You begin to learn more and more of those things from the Bible. The same is true about baptism. You don't need to understand 
all the ins and outs of what baptism is for, what it communicates, what it means, before you can be baptized. But your baptism is something that shouldn't simply be in the rear view mirror. I checked that box. I don't have to worry about that ever again. Your baptism should be something that you think about and go back to from time to time that instructs you about who you are and how you should live now. That's what Paul is doing in this passage. He's answering a question about how we should live as Christians. And to give the answer, he goes back to baptism. So here's the question he's answering. The question is in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? We talked about that a little bit last week. Why that question came up and how we are to respond to that question. Right? He says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? But he then goes to talk about baptism to explain why he can say that we have died to sin, how we ought to know that we have died to sin, what that looks like, and how we ought to live as a result. So all of chapter 6, all of chapter 6 is about answering this question, should we as Christians keep living in sin so that we can get more grace? That's the theme over the whole chapter. And part of how Paul answers that question is saying, don't you guys understand what your baptism meant? Because if you understood what your baptism meant, you wouldn't even ask that question. If you understood what baptism was supposed to communicate and point toward, then you would not have to ask the question, should we keep sinning so that we can get more grace? And the reason why is because your baptism communicates what he said in verse 2, which is that you have died to sin. So how does baptism communicate to us, remind us each time we witness it, how ought it to remind us that we have died to sin? So here's how he says it, verse 3. Do you not know, this is something we ought to know, but maybe don't, right? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So when you were baptized, Paul is saying, and not just, you know, he's not talking about the mechanics of baptism. This is not a, you know, as long as you got in some water somewhere and got dunked, this automatically happens to you. It's not that kind of view of baptism, but If you were baptized as a believer, this is what your baptism is about. This is what it symbolizes. This is what it points toward. This is what it teaches. That when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. You have been publicly identified with Jesus. You are now united to Jesus by faith. Things that are true of him are now true of you. And one of those things is just as Jesus died... So you have died. You have joined him in some mysterious way, right? You have joined him in his death. And if you say, well, I've I've never thought about baptism like that before, and I'm not even sure I've ever thought about being crucified with Christ or dying with Christ before, think about Galatians 2.20. Where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but the life I live 
now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's saying the same thing there. He just doesn't mention baptism in that context. I have been crucified with Christ. My old self, my old life, who I was before, has been nailed to the cross with Jesus. It's dead. And not, not historically. I mean, Paul obviously wasn't on the cross with Jesus. That's not what he's saying. But in some way, because I have trusted Jesus and been joined to Him, in some mysterious, true, spiritual way, I have died with Jesus in His death. I have been joined to Him. And Paul's saying, if you understood your baptism and what your baptism was for, what your baptism was about, one of the things that you would understand is that when you were baptized into Christ, when you were joined to Christ by faith, when you publicly identified yourself with Christ, you were crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. Your old life has come to an end, and that is why it makes no sense to think that you could go on living in sin as a follower of Christ. That's why he can say in verse 2, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, what are you talking about? When did I die to sin? You died to sin when you were joined to Christ, and that was portrayed in your baptism, where you went under the water like a dead man, and then came back up. Right? So, our baptism into Christ teaches us that we have died with Christ. And so every time we witness somebody's baptism, we should be reminded, not only are they not who they once were, I'm not who I once was. That happened to me too. My old life has come to an end. My, who I was before is dead and gone. That's what Paul is saying. Think back to what baptism means, what it's about, and that will help you understand how you ought to live now. And he goes on to say in verse 4, that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So now we're not talking just about death, but also about burial, which is sort of the seal of death, right? Why is it important that we know that Jesus not only died, but that he was buried and placed in a tomb for three days? Because we know that people didn't just think he was dead, and then he somehow was resuscitated. He really died. He was placed in a tomb for three days. He was dead. Sealed away, like we sang earlier. Sealed away in the tomb. Like um, Tim and Bonnie sang earlier. Sealed away in the tomb. In the same way, Paul says, you were really, truly dead. Your old life really did come to an end. We were buried with Jesus. You died with Jesus. Both of these things are portrayed in baptism. Right? This is why we say, when we baptize somebody, we often say, buried with Christ in baptism, right? raised to walk in newness of life. We say that because what happens if you put somebody under the water long enough? They die. Right? A lot of people, through a lot of the history of the world, they didn't see a pool of water as a fun place to play. They saw it as a terrible place to die. Right? Because water is dangerous. Right? The sea is dangerous. Um, it's, and you think back biblically to the waters of the flood. Right? The, 
the waters of the flood brought death and judgment on the world. It, it is symbolic, right, of our death and burial with Christ when we go under the water. And this is true even of John's baptism, right? John preached a baptism of repentance, calling people to turn from their sin and to experience the forgiveness of God. And so what did they do? They went into the river and they went under the water, not only to symbolize their cleansing, but to symbolize that the way they've been living, which they are now repenting of, has come to an end and they are rising to a new life. That's what our baptism is meant to portray. Now, why is it important that we go back to that, that we be reminded of that? Well, not only so we can answer questions like the one in verse 1 about should we keep on sinning as Christians in order to get more grace, but also because one of the things that Satan loves to do to believers is he loves to talk to you as though you had never died. He loves to talk to you as though you are still the same person you were before you met Christ. He doesn't remind you of the good ways that God has changed your life and made you new and filled you with the Spirit, enabled you to love and forgive and have joy and peace. He doesn't remind you about all that stuff. What he loves to remind you of is the stuff you did before you were saved and talk to you like that's still who you are. I know what kind of person you are. You, you, you're trying to make everybody think that you're this loving, kind, generous Christian person, but I know what you did a few years ago, several years ago, decades ago, whatever it is. That's who you really are. That's what he likes to say. But our baptism is there for us to look back and say, no, that's who I was. That's who I was. And I might still have to deal with some of the consequences of the things that I did back then, but that's not who I am. <clears throat> That's not who I am. That that person is dead and gone. That person's been buried under the water. That person's been crucified with Christ. I am now a new creation. I am now a new creature. I have a new identity. Jesus has made me a new person, and that's not me anymore. And every time we see somebody baptized, that ought to remind us that that is what has happened to us. That is what is true of us. Our old self, we left behind in the waters of baptism, and we came out of the water as a new creation in Christ. And it's not, again, it's not the water itself that does that. It's what the, it's what the act of baptism symbolizes, which is our trust in Christ. The baptism is just the picture. It's like the wedding ring. It doesn't accomplish it, but it does picture it. It does symbolize it. It does teach us about what has happened to us in Christ. And then Paul says in the middle of verse 4, the purpose of all of this, the purpose of our death with Christ, our burial with Christ in baptism is this, in order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you died with Jesus, and you needed to die with Jesus. But you didn't die just so you could be dead. You died so that you could rise. You died so that you could have new life. Now Paul's not yet talking about the physical resurrection that we will share with Jesus when he returns. Here he's talking about a spiritual resurrection that we experience as soon as we turn to Christ. Because, like Paul says in Ephesians 2, all of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
We were all spiritually dead already. Then we get nailed to the cross with Jesus. We're crucified with Christ. And all that happens so that then he can raise us to new life. So that we can be a new creation. And live out that new identity. That new life that he's given us. In anticipation of the day when we will be bodily raised to live with him in holiness and righteousness and joy forever. So he says, this happened in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so he died, he was buried, he was raised, just as that happened to him, you died with him so that you too might walk in newness of life. And I want to put the emphasis on walk. Not just so that you could have new life, right? That's, that's a good thing. We want to have new life. We want to be a new creation. But Paul says, you died with him so that you could be raised with him, so that you could walk, so that you could do, so that you could act, so that you could live, so that you could now not just sit back and say, well, I've been given eternal life, so I'm good. No, so that you could have a new life, so that you could live a new life of obedience, a life of righteousness, a life of submission to God's will and God's plan and God's way. The whole reason of having a new identity, of having a new life, is so that you can do something with it. Here again, we see why Paul was so emphatic in his answer to that question in verse 1. Shall we continue to live in sin so that grace may abound? No way! Don't you know that you died to sin? And by the way, the whole reason you died to sin was so that you could live a life that's Free from sin. You're not going to be sinless, right? But you're now set free from the bondage to sin that you were under so that you can now present yourself to God as obedient servants to Him. That's what He's going to talk about in the rest of chapter 6. That's the whole reason for this is so that we can live a different way. Our salvation is not only there so that we can be forgiven and go to heaven. That's good. We want that. That's necessary. That's vital. But it is there also so that we can actually be and live as the kind of people that God intended us to be. Live the kind of life that God intended us to live. So yes, think of baptism in terms of obedience. Yes, think of baptism in terms of your public profession of faith. But also think of baptism as a gospel picture. As a reminder of what happened to you when you were saved. That your old life came to an end. Your old self was crucified with Christ. And that's not who you are anymore. And you have been raised with Christ to live a new life. A different life. A godly life. An obedient life. An imperfect life until Jesus comes back. But a changed life. A life that honors Jesus because it is empowered by the Spirit whom Jesus sent to dwell within us. It is made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it is lived in anticipation of the day when Jesus will return and we will see Him face to face and we will be like Him. And John says when he says that, if if that's what we're looking forward to, then right now... We're going to be aiming at that. We're going to be purifying ourselves. We're going to be living 
as holy of a life as we can by the grace of God, anticipating the day when that holiness will be brought to completion when we see Jesus face to face and become perfectly like him. All of that, all of that is what we ought to be reminded of every time we see somebody's baptism, every time we think back to our own baptism. It's a reminder of what has happened and who we are and how we ought to live. Let's pray.